HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from, you know, whenever, to about 1 o'clock from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Joined as usual with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez, and we got Matt back in the booth. How you guys doing? Good. So glad to be back. Yeah? Yeah? Uh, so what were you doing last week? Were you having fun? I was having fun. I was eating everything I could find in Charleston. Yeah, yeah? What did you have? Uh, 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 I had some pickled shrimp. That was new to me. Mm. I had some shad roe. That was new to me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Shad roe? You've never had shad roe before? No. Where'd you grow up? Outside of, Massachusetts, uh, outside of Boston. Okay, well, you know, okay, listen. They have that up there. Like, I don't want anyone on earth to think that Shad Row is, it might be a Charleston thing, but just so everyone knows, that is also part of the entire East Coast heritage, from the bottom to the top. I will not let them claim it. I mean, they can claim whatever their version of it. Was it, was it, what was it, parsley butter bacon or what? Uh, I don't know. It was like sliced and fried. It had the consistency of liver. It was in scrambled eggs. It mm. was mm. very strange. Mm. Okay. Usually when, uh, you know, the old way, this is the old way, as they say in uh, Indiana Jones. Um, you know, we would, you'd make sure that the shad row stays whole. Now, this is why I guess you don't do it in restaurants because it would be expensive, right? And then you cook bacon and then with butter, you just you, you, you hit it just to, to set, set it all the way through. Parsley, butter, bacon, done. You eat it like, uh, you know, the whole shad roe is, is like, uh, well, it's shaped like a row sack. How do you explain that, Nastasi? It's like a smile. Yep. It's like a smile. It's like an emoji smile. And it's about, you know, I don't know, like six inches long? It looks like eight. Anyway, uh, they are delicious, but uh, I've said this before on the program. I hope I don't miss it this year. I missed it last year. Shad, which is, uh, you know, uh, a fish that comes back in, um, <clears throat> it comes back in in the springtime to, you know, to do its uh, kind of reproductive business. And on the way in, it doesn't uh, eat, right? And yet, for some reason, it will hit lure, right? But it does, like, and, and I don't think anyone knows why the shad, they're just pissed off, I guess. I don't know why they, because they're not eating, why they would hit a lure, but they're relatively easy to catch as they run back in the streams, and, and the, when they run back into the streams, I think depends on the local temperature. So the shad runs are earlier down south than they are up north. And there's a, there's a nice good shad run that goes near, you know, where, where I go up on the, on the Connecticut River. Shad meat Shad meat, which it used to be you wouldn't even ever get the shad meat. You would just get the shad roe. Shad meat, I think, is incredibly 
it's incredibly delicious, I think. I love it. Uh, it's one of those kind of like it's on the oily side but mild tasting so you can grill it and it doesn't get all dry and disgusting. Don't you hate when you get a dried, uh, a grilled fish and it's like yeah. dry as hell? Yeah. That's like I love stripers but, you know, some people like like a like kind of an overcooked striper but it gets because striper is so meaty and chunky, it kind of gets weird, I think, when you overcook it. I don't like it. Do you like that? No. No. Whereas, like, some oily fish, like bluefish, can take a pounding on a grill and still be good. As long as you put on the mayonnaise. Don't, don't forget, the oil gets out the oil. Remember that? No. Mayonnaise. On the... Oh, Jesus. Never listens. She never listens, you know? Ever. Uh, but I think shad is incredibly delicious, but also extremely difficult to bone because they have an extra set of Y bones that go out. So there's very few people. You can go on the Google on YouTubes and uh, you can see people who show the magic way of filleting a shad because a, a filleted shad is great. I'm not a fan of the. There's another way some people do it where they just hack the crap out of the bones the way that they do in Japan on those pike eel things. I, that's garbage. There is a way to like the amazing thing about a well-filleted shad is that when the shad is, is laying flat, it looks like a fillet, and then when you pick it up, it kind of like spreads open like, like a jigsaw puzzle, and you can see all of the slices that were made into it without cutting through the skin to get the bones out, and they are a sight to, they are a sight to have. Go find it. If you live anywhere near the East Coast, go find yourself some fresh shad that has been properly boned. Cook that sucker up on a grill. Tell me you don't love it. Put some mayonnaise on it. Everyone wants you to talk about what you did last night. Uh, everybody meaning you. No, but, uh, no, no. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. So what else? No, they don't. If they <laughs> did, if they did, they would call or write in on the chat. No, they do. They've been calling all morning saying, ask Dave about what he did last night. Matt, you know. That's <laughs> true. Matt, true. you know. Would I lie to you, Dave? Yes. No. That's true. I got a bunch of messages from people saying, please talk about what happened on the radio show. Uh, all right. Well, let me see. So what else did you have in, uh, in uh, Charleston? Uh, oh, my God. Um ton of barbecue. I had, a, I had a rib that was heavenly, and I don't normally eat meat, so that was interesting. Yeah? Um, was it heavenly, or is it just because you don't normally eat meat, you're like, damn, I should eat more meat? Mm, no, I think it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it's not just like, it's like, uh, I remember the time that I lost a bet here on the, on the air and had to eat raw vegan for a week. The first piece of meat I had after that, I was like, god damn. <laughs> No, because we were sitting there and having like a pile of all the meats, and the rib was really the only one where I was like, yeah, okay, this is worth it. All right. All right. All right, so now what are we talking about, Nastasia? What did you do last night? So, Nastasia <laughs> Lopez, uh, you might be familiar with her as the hammer. By the way, call in your questions to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. She, I don't know how that, I, I, honestly, I don't know how this happens, but <laughs> she is on the, somehow on the gala committee for... The Food and Finance High School. I don't even know how she's connected to the Food and Finance High School, to be honest. Uh, and so she's like, hey, Dave, we're doing a cocktail. I says, okay. So we make a cocktail and then tell them what happens. Just ask them when we show up. We take the subway with the cocktail on okay. Dave's back. First of all, for those of you that do events in New York City, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Events, they, the load-in for an event is always, and I mean always during rush hour and so and, and they're always in locations where people want to go it's always like where's the event of course it's in the financial district or of course it's in like midtown right across from the trade uh the what's it called uh yeah 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 you know like the trade center anyway no. but, what where they do the trading oh no, it's stock exchange yeah. it's like so like they're all nightmare places to get in and out of on via like normal things so you can't like, if you, the Uber, first of all, not only is it, like, surge pricing. Remember, in New York City, unlike L.A. or a bunch of other places, like, Ubers are very expensive here compared to other places in the, in the country that I've experienced because, I guess, because they can get it. And B, in order to drive an Uber here, you still need to have what's called a TNLC, a livery license. Um, you know, it's, so it's not just, like, people who are like, you know what, maybe I'll do this for a couple of hours. It's, like, people who are, you know, livery drivers. So it costs more here. And so, but... And then they surge price like a mother in New York City, and you're just going to be in that car for like 45 minutes stuck in traffic trying to go like not even that many blocks. So I'm like, deal with it, Nastasia. We're going to 
we're going to go on the subway. And she's like, I don't want to go on the subway. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm carrying all the crap anyway. I've got a case of freaking tequila on my back. I got a case of tequila in a bag around my arm, plus all of the mixers and everything like that. So I'm going up and down the stairs. Nastasia accidentally guides us to her doctor's <laughs> office instead of to the event. So I lost my mind, as you can imagine. <laughs> so we're lugging this stuff around. And... And the, the messed up thing is we designed the cocktail so we didn't even need to take delivery of the tequila because we had made like an old-fashioned and all the work, it was a cordial, you know, spins all, clarify, blah, 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 cordial. Uh, you know, it was, it, the, the concept was it was flavors of a margarita in an old-fashioned format. So, like, they assured us there would be cold draft ice and that, you know, we would show up and we would do it. So, anyway, so I'm lugging all this crap, which I didn't need to lug because the, the liquor could have gotten <laughs> delivered directly to the, to the event. Instead, we take it to her doctor's office. The doctor didn't want the stuff, so then we had to walk over to where the event was. I'm dying. My back is breaking off. My arms are, like, you know, killing me. And we show up, and what? And they're like, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> and then, and by the way, I love all these people. I know, I know all the people. Like, and uh, they're like, we printed a sign. And they're like... If they finally fa- found out that it, indeed we were supposed to be there and they had printed a sign with the recipe on it, I was like, and it was on a table tent, you know, one of those plastic table tents. And I was like, because Nastasia and I never spend any time getting our table all fancy. Did you see Porchlight, by the way? Yeah. Nick Bennett. Uh-huh. He had a fancy, super uh-huh. fancy table. Uh-huh. You know why? Because they care. Because they're, no, it's smart. smart. We care, we're just dumb. Yeah. Anyway, so like, you know, if you do events, just. If you don't have the time, if you're like, you know, Nastasia and like myself and, you know, everything's done at the last second, get someone else to just bring some party favors for the table to make it look well, nice. Well, we didn't and even fancy. have a table. Well, yeah, but we thought we had a table. So they show up in our table tent. I'm like, uh, that's printed sideways. And they're like, no, you could turn it the other way. And they did it like three times. Every fell. time they did it, it fell over. I'm like, no, you can't. And then they're finally like, oh, yeah, um, um. Uh, yeah, so... No, they said that the bartenders already had our drinks. Oh, yeah, that was the first thing they said. I was like, they're like, the bartenders, yeah, all three bars have your drinks and they're ready to pour it. I was like, what was that stuff I carried on my back the whole way here? Why am I breathing? Why do I exist? Why do I keep sucking air in? You know what I mean? And, uh, then they determined, oh, well, they don't have it yet. So then we had to go, instead of making it, right, we had to go in the back and batch it, which it, which is normal, so I was like, okay, okay, fine, so I'm not going to get to pour it, Nastasia's not going to get to pour it, they're going to pour it, turns out they were fine, they did a good job, so, you know, but in general, Nastasia and I are like, why do we, you know, what's the point of showing up if we're not personally talking to people and pouring the stuff, mm-hmm. so they had assured us, this is how it happens in life, you have to be prepared, they assured us that there would be cold draft ice, if someone tells you there's cold draft ice at an, ex- at an event, assume it will not happen, right, and so, like, you know, I was like, I'd already been like, okay, I'm not going to insist on, like, a, a big cube. I'm just not going to do it. We built the d- drink to work with cold draft. And then and the guy, poor guy, the poor bar manager, he felt real bad about it. He was like, we only have hotel ice. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh my God. Oh, hotel ice. And so then they, <laughs> I was like, can you bring me some? They brought it. We, I, like, I almost cried. I almost <laughs> cried. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. But it ended up being fine. Because the thing is, honestly, like, once you've realized that, you know, that it's going to be the way it is, you're just like, okay. Yeah. No choice. No problem. No problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we ended up having a good time. Yeah. So uh, Questlove came and spun uh, some music, which was nice. Check out my Instagram. Actually, you should put it on your Instagram because you have more followers. I don't, know, Dave I, I don't know how to do I'll, it. I'll do it. I don't know how I'll to do it. I'll do it. Give me your phone. No, no, no. And there's not going to be no images of me or uh, no, videos. No, just the of... story. Why? I don't know how stories work, Nastasia. You know this. Well, gonna... check out my stories to see Dave dancing. So uh, it was the uh, the we actually I think we used the one with quinine in it. The uh, the uh, lime cordial, uh, the acid corrected lime cordial that we use at uh, existing conditions. It was three eighths of that into uh, an añejo tequila with uh, orange bitters and salt. And the idea is that. You know, it, flavors of margarita in the in the in the style of an old fashioned. It's good. Yeah, yeah. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you that are ever going to do bar events, please don't be don't be like I was for you know for the first oh I don't know ten years that people asked us to do drinks at events right all the way back to the French Culinary Institute. So 
at least 10 years. For the first 10 years, I was like, we're going to do something. We're going to do something like they've never seen before. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to carbonate live. We're going we're gonna to do shaking drinks. We're going to do nitro modeling. We're going we're, we're gonna... to... And then one time Thomas Keller came up to you and said, are uh, you stupid? Yeah, are you, what are you, stupid? And I was like, you know, yeah, real, real dumb. Yeah. So you do all this stuff, right? And then something always goes wrong. It's never perfect anyway. And 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 it's just a complete heartbreak. And then someone always comes up and is like, "Do you have just the straight booze?" Yeah. And you're like, "Yeah." Yep. And, and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like if you really want it, like whatever. Anyway, so you know, recently I've realized you got to bulletproof stuff for events, which is what we did, which is why it ended up okay. Pump and dump, pump and dump, we pump and dump. Liquor deliver it, whatever. Whatever. The future. Remember, uh, the older you get, the shorter your future is. <laughs> wow, and on that note, we have a caller. Yeah, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Dave, this is Devin calling in again. Had a quick question for you. Uh, could I get your thoughts on the different types of salt that the uh, enthusiast home cook should keep around? Uh, you mean like, like, okay, are you talking about like the form factors or like weird, weird salts? A uh, mixture of both. Because I got like the regular uh, diamond crystal kosher salt. I have my curing salts because I do some meat curing. But beyond that, I really don't have anything in particular. And it seems like there are just so many options available right now. Did, did you, uh, were you aware of the internet hoax where they said diamond crystal is going to be discontinued? I'm aware of that. Yeah. I looked into the uh, Himalayan pink salt. And Himalaya sounds kind of romantic, but it sounds like where it actually comes from really isn't so. So I was just looking for some clarity on kind of I your mean, thoughts on that kind of stuff. So my opinion, which is, you know, as you probably know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a kind of a curmudgeon. And so, uh, you know, like I, people should use salt if like specific salt if it makes them feel good. You know to do it, but most of the time, any of the strange salts, unless you are going to experience the texture of it, I you know I don't see that much of a of a taste difference until you're getting into situations where there's a large proportion of the um, of the other minerals present. There's not going to be too, in my opinion, there's not going to be too much of a taste difference. So I choose my salt almost exclusively on. It's texture. Now, I'm not talking about – there's hyper-engineered salts, right? I don't even know if they're selling it. I don't think they, – they don't sell it to, to you know people like us, but industrially, they make these hollow salts. And those hollow salts are interesting because they have the salt impact of large salt crystals but contain less salt because – your tongue registers your tongue registers uh, that it has like this you know big big salt thing. It doesn't dissolve in right away, so it provides that. So if you're interested in lowering your sodium, that's interesting. I'm not interested in lowering my sodium though. So if I want the impact of salt, I will add salt. Now diamond crystal, which you have, is of course all cooks choice uh, when it comes to kosher because it doses well much better than than Morton's I think the average person who doesn't cook doesn't understand that Morton's kosher how like hard to dose Morton's kosher salt is compared to diamond and how much denser Morton's is and so this is why when people hate someone's recipe and say it's too salty they you know they probably use the wrong salt and furthermore this is why salt typically you should do by weight unless you're dosing and why most cooks specifically write diamond kosher now, for many years, you know, if someone gave me some fun salt, I would use it. And it's for sure true that, you know, certain things Except like... Except truffle salt. What? Except truffle salt. Do you use truffle salt if someone gives it to you? I, well, I don't think I have any. Do you have a lot of truffle salt? That's been I have, yeah. That's been in, like, bags. Does it give you bags. the actual aroma of truffles? Yeah. I think most of these salts don't provide a, like I say, a, I mean, if it's truffle salt, I mean, it's got a lot of aroma on it's going to probably provide aroma. But um, I think Malden is worth the textural hit that you get on it, right? If you cook with Malden, either you're made of money or a freak show or you ran out of your regular salt because there's no point in cooking with it. Um, the fleur de sel, I enjoy fleur de sel. Um, I enjoy having a, you should have good pretzel salt around if you make pretzels or do baked things because it sticks very nicely uh, to things. So, I, you, know, you know, I wouldn't use something like kosher salt for, for pretzels. Um, so I would have pretzel salt, 
I would have Malden. If you like Fleur de Sel, I would have Fleur de Sel. I would have Diamond Kosher. And then the rest of it, like, unless you can see it. So, like, if you're, let's say you're doing a bread service, right? And you're going to put bread out along with, you know, depending on what kind of person you are, oil or butter or both. And then you want to put out a dish of salt, which, by the way, I think is a good idea. Even if the butter is salted. If definitely if you use unsalted butter, put out a dish of salt. There, you know, some of the, some of the interesting salts uh, are, are nice because they're visually appealing, Right, and so you're getting a visually appealing thing to go with your um, to go with your stuff, and I think that's kind of worth it. But even in sprinkling, most of the times you can't see the color of the salt, depending on, unless you're putting it over something that's you know white. Um, I've had some smoked salts that actually come through in use, and you know they're interesting. But most smoked salts, I don't think, are salt, uh, smoky enough to really add the punch that I want versus other ways of getting smoke into things. So I'm a, I'm a pretty simple guy when it comes to salt. Now, when you start talking about adding other salts, right, especially to things like liquids, they do indeed change uh, the flavor. But the, the, you know, the, the way that they do is you know, very complicated. And I've never, I've never, for instance, been like, you know what, I'm going to sprinkle over this meat some magnesium chloride. It's just never come up. I've done it in waters, but I've never used it for cooking. I've used Saratoga water, uh, you know, not the stuff that you can buy in a blue bottle, but, you know, the the stuff that we get out of the ground has a lot of crazy minerals in it. And I've never used it for cooking, but I could try. I could try. Although, then I'd have to go get a lot more of it. I don't feel like I've been very helpful, but there you have it. Uh My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Now, we have some stuff. Did you figure out where it came from? Someone sent us some stuff? Yeah, I'll read the caption of so a listener. His name is, his Instagram name is M-A-C-K-L-I-N. Nastasia is sitting literally as far away from the microphone as she can get and still be in the room. Yep. All right, so who is, the, who is it from? And it, it's not like this is the first time she's ever been on this program, people. How many years have you been doing this, Nastasia? I don't know, eight? A million, million years. Cultivates her own radio style. Yeah, her own radio style is like, you know. Also, I got hit by lie, like Dave, so now we're double lie, double, what, what would you say? Uh, lie twins? Yeah, well, <sighs> Nastasia, <laughs> Nastasia was going It's in, pretty baller. It was pretty stupid. I mean, what so I did was you stupid. Too. Oh, come on. Someone says, what is this? I taste it in a kitchen. Not so crazy. Nastasia pours concentrated lye-based detergent. You uh, know, there like, was a paint spill. Yeah, but how, why would you think concentrated detergent would help? what with, it was. It was a pink cleaning fluid. And so I was like. And why would you think that that would be good for that? I just was frantic. I don't know. Anyway. First of all, on the sidewalk, people. And you don't even own the sidewalk. Yeah, but... Yeah. You're pouring... To- whatever. So she pours it on her, and then she's like, you know what? Something's burning. But yeah. I didn't think that... No, but... She did Get this. Didn't rinse her foot. Yeah. Didn't rinse her foot. Comes back to me a day later. I look up on the internet for, like, what to do about caustic... Uh, you know, caustic... Chemical burns. Chemical burns from caustic things. And... It's, you know, there is not one Google hit that you can find, right, that says what to do after you've left said caustic thing on your person for 24 hours. Because <laughs> no one has done this well, that's before. That's so baller. Like, well, what the, what, it's so dumb. <laughs> I what's, know, I know. What's the, like, what, I didn't know it was What's the scenario? The next day. So here's what happened I was in the desert. And I spilled something. My car broke down, and I spilled something, and I dumped this detergent on me, realized it was caustic, and then because I was in the desert and my car was broken down, there was no water to rinse it off for 24 hours. That's the only scenario. Yeah, really stupid. <laughs> Nastasi was like, well, I already took my shower today, so I guess I got, you know, I'll wait till tomorrow to <laughs> rinse this out. off. You know what I mean? Real yeah. dumb. Yeah. Oh, I know. Literally no... 
No Google hits on this. Um, how did this work out when you tasted lie? That's oh, well, that was pure lie. First of all, I think uh, back to Nastasi. So, like, please don't use your concentrated detergent. So you got to remember, a lot of us in restaurants are using what's called uh, low temperature, uh, low temperature uh, what's Dishwasher. sort of dishwashers, right? Because they're more energy efficient. And, you know, you don't have to have huge power boosters. Which So it, for a commercial dishwasher to run at high temperature, you need a, an intensely large supply of super hot water, which takes very large kind of either boilers or, elect, or electric heating units to, to boost the temperature up to where you need to be for that, right? So they're, they take a lot of power, a lot, right? And so most people, at least I know in New York, they use chemical, right? So you can use one of a number. You can use Ecolab. You can use Autoclore. You can whatever you Ecologic do. Ecologic is what you, but the problem is, is that those detergents, right, because they still need to break stuff down on a commercial level, they typically use things that'll break down fats and proteins, which, hey, base does that, you know, not like the Bootsy Collins base, like base, like lye, like alkaline base. And so those concentrated things that come in the bottle, you're really not supposed to crank those suckers open and dump them on you. If you look, there's a little peristaltic pump on your commercial dishwasher, and when it puts the detergent in for your whole freaking load, how long does it run, Nastasia? It goes like this. Wee, wee, wee. And that's it. Out of that little tube. Wee, wee, wee. And Nastasia opens up a gallon. How long does that gallon last you? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Long time. <laughs> on constant running. Yeah. In a commercial environment. And dumps it on your leg. Oof. Don't mess around with those detergents, people. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. You know, Nastasi's like, but it says it's like ecologically friendly and not toxic. Yeah, it's pure sodium hydroxide. Yeah, well, it's not pure, but like no. it, it is ecologically friendly in small quantities diluted in gigantic quantities of water. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, I had lie going back to pretzels in the. You knew it was. Well, you knew it as soon as you put it in your mouth. So first of all, as I've said before, label everything in your kitchen. I'll say this again: label everything in your kitchen. Especially if it's poisonous. Label everything in the kitchen. And when I opened it, I don't know what it is. When I opened it, I knew there was like something wrong because lie looks evil. What do I mean looks evil? Like when we opened it. It moves, right? It moves. Mm-hmm. It, it like, it like for some reason, like it built up static. Yeah. Unlike salt. Like salt doesn't ever mm-hmm. build up static, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was almost jumping out of the mm-hmm. damned core container to try to get me. Somehow, because we were cleaning everything up, I didn't think about it. I was like, I don't know. So I licked my finger, stick it, <laughs> stick it on the thing, which also you shouldn't do, oh. and stick it on the thing, and I put it directly on my tongue, and instantly it was like, yeah. like, like just like complete overload. And you were like, I'm going to the hospital. Go take care of my kids. Don't call Jen yet. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> ah! I was like, ah! I ran in and I just start throwing water in my mouth, like not swallowing anything, because like basically my face under, like rinsing it off. You saw the hole it was uh, in my tongue. There's a if yeah, the blog isn't a porn site anymore. There's a photo of it. Yeah, maybe even if it's a porn site, maybe they kept that shot. Maybe <laughs> they didn't like, know so what it was and they kept that, that yeah. shot. They're like, you know, <laughs> you know, born more interesting, but you know, I'm gonna put this picture of his tongue up. You know what I mean? Like, whoever hijacked it and turned it into a porn site. We'll keep that one. All the stuff about fish killing, nah, not so much, but... Uh, okay, wait, the cider, so... All right, yeah, so what's up with the cider? Uh, so the guy's name is M underscore A underscore C underscore K underscore L underscore I underscore N. What, can you just remove the underscores and read it? Who the hell... Macklin. Okay, thank you. At Novelson, and I just finished our first Saison apple cider. They call it... Pau Gasol, named for the Spanish Laker. The Spanish what? Laker, L-A-K-E-R. Laker meaning basketball player? No, it's lowercase. Anyway. Wait. Maybe, oh, wait, yeah, he is a Laker. Okay. Yeah, but it's not capitalized. All right. We used at Fair Hills Farms Seconds. More batches coming. I am starting a collaborative natural foods brand as a platform for projects like this at lovely.bunch. More ciders, more ferments, and snacks coming soon. And he dropped this off at the bar, and he wants us to taste it. All right, open it up. We'll taste it. It's chilled. Somebody's calling you. All right, caller, you're on the air. No. Oh, my phone. Well, actually, there is, there is a caller on the air. Hey, what's going right. on, David? Josh from Norfolk. Hey, how you doing? I'm well. Um, I was wondering if you had any suggestions for best practices in cooking venison steaks. Ooh, well, uh, this is uh, wild or uh, or raised? 
text yeah, you. wild. And then I was given, they, he didn't give me any information about the cut, just four, uh, probably inch and a quarter, inch and a half thick steaks. Yeah. I mean, the main issue with uh, most venison is that if you overcook it, it can go dry, uh, it can go dry fairly quickly. Um, so I would low temp it, you, but you, you don't know, you said you didn't know what cut it was. Right. I mean, did, can you, does it look anything like any beef cut you know of? Like what's the size of it? Does it have marbling in it? Is it from a larger piece uh, of meat or does it look more like it came from like a loin or a rib area? It looks like it might be backstrap. So, but it's got a good amount of meat in it and like it's got a so you say it's got a large fat cap but it's got like a it's got like a, a good eye of meat on it yeah definitely okay and uh how many pieces you have four four um but you don't know how old it was i mean the fact of the matter uh, no. is when something gets uh at least when this in nastasia and our in our tests is that um Older meat tends to cook differently. I would low, in other words, we're going to go low temp. I would go low temp on it, right, and then do a sear. The question is, what temperature, right? And so, um, I mean, and that really depends on kind of what the cut is. Uh, in general, when I'm doing um, steaks like that, I'll do them somewhere between, uh, somewhere in the range of 54 to 55 Celsius. Uh, and then pull them out and then, and then sear them off. You just don't want to, you don't want to overcook them. Matt, see if anyone on the, uh, what's it called on the message thing, uh, does a lot of work with venison and can give me some stuff. But you know, when I usually do it, I'm doing it at those, at those kind of, uh, lower, lower temperatures. I even do when I'm doing, um, I would do that. And, and you know, do you need to feed four people or can you cook one, eat it and then cook the other three? No, I do need to feed four people. We, uh, prematurely invited some friends for dinner yeah yeah i would i would do them at 55 uh let them ride through uh for i mean it, so I, I mean it, in the absence of any knowledge i would do it like i would do a ribeye and and i would do a ribeye by hitting 55 for about 45 minutes and then dropping the temperature to like 52 uh, you know, let it ride for an, you know, another couple of hours, of, um, to, to make sure that if you can tenderize it, you'll tenderize it a little bit and a lot's going to depend on how old it is. But if you keep it at 55, it'll toughen up and get a, a little more, um, the, the must that you'll tenderize the collagen aspect of it, but you'll tend to toughen the muscle, muscle fibers more. I mean, can you look at it? Can you look at it and see whether you have a large boundary of like, are, is is the is the grain fiber is it okay look back up and try to be more coherent if you are looking at a piece of meat and you can see large kind of grain boundaries right around the different um like bundles of muscle fibers right then you're dealing with something that's kind of more more collagen rich and in those kind of environments uh, a good pre-salt letting it sit around will break up the that kind of uh, the bundles, the collagen that lies around the bundles and will in fact tenderize the collagen aspect of the meat even though the muscle fibers themselves will be tougher because they'll take on more of a cured texture, okay? So people who are cooking meats that are uh, – more collagen-y and, you know, you know, more akin to the kind of tougher cuts will find that they get what seems to be a more tender result with copious pre-salting than getting the salt off and then cooking as normal. If it is a finer fibered meat, right, so the ultimate fine fibered meat is filet, right, like the filet, you know, or, or, or even like the next close, something like a, a ribeye, finer textured meats like this that don't have a lot of kind of uh, bundles of, uh, you know, collagen bundles where the, the different muscle fibers are grouped together. These ones, the effect of salting is unhelpful and makes the meat, from a texture standpoint, and makes the meat feel firmer and therefore overcooked. So if you look at the meat kind of on a dry, look at it on an angle, and if you're seeing kind of large grain boundaries, you know, in, you know, in between that look kind of like bundles, almost like, you know, like you would see in a cooked pot roast. If you can see that in the kind of the raw cross section, then that piece of meat will probably benefit from 
some copious pre-salting for, you know, on the order of hours, you know, even, you know, a little bit longer, better to break up that collagen and to get, make it a little bit easier on the cut. And then you can still low temp it or cook as normal. But if it looks like a very fine grain, then odds are the salting is not going to help you, especially since you don't know what cut it is. And then, uh, I would just, I mean, if you're going to serve it within a couple of hours, salt it and then do the cooking procedure. Like I, like I outlined, is this making any sense? Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, I think. All right. Uh, listen. Um, uh, tweet me on uh, at Cooking Issues. Let me know how it went. Dave, yeah, just, we'll do. I just got a message from a listener that said, "Please start next episode with sicko mode, so Dave can talk about it for ten minutes." LMAO. Have a, wait. <laughs> did I talk about sicko mode for ten minutes on the last show? <laughs> no, they're, they're responding to your dancing to it. <laughs> well, I mean, sicko mode <laughs> is a great song. I mean, obviously, Sicko Mode's a great song. I don't think anybody song. knew that you'd be able to, to do that, to dance like that. I mean, listen, let me tell you people something. Dave likes to dance. First of all, I like to dance. And second of all, there's no one particular age at which your butt becomes broken. <laughs> what? Your you butt know? was broken one time? Yeah, no, but it, I mean, I don't mean like, I don't mean like that. I mean like for pooping. But I mean, in terms of like, it, your funk motor does not break. Simply because you get older. Now, you might not be able to keep it going as long. because you're white. I saw James Brown <laughs> perform a year before he died, or two years before he died, all right? Booker was on my back. And it is true that James Brown was not the James Brown of old when I saw him. He was old, but he was not the James Brown of old. But I swear to God, he could be the real James Brown for like five minutes at a crack. So, I mean, like, you know, it's not like, it's not like, you know, when I was a, when I was a, a kid, I'd go out on the dance floor two, three, four hours. The last time I was on a dance floor for a long time. It was when we were dancing and you're, and when you were. You no, the last time was at my reunion. Oh. And, uh, and, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine who was there, who was a doctor was like, you must leave and rehydrate. Oh, remember that time that you were dancing and you got home and Jen thought it was raining outside. <laughs> You were so soaked, and you wouldn't take your jacket off. I don't take my jacket off. You had your backpack on. I don't take my jacket off when I dance. Because <laughs> I don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. People are like, why? I'm like, I don't know. Like, why does anyone have a, uh, you know, why does anyone have Why don't you strip naked for Christ's sakes? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, how much worse is a sweaty shirt without a jacket, and usually it's only at the end of the night that my jacket soaks through. Yeah. Once your jacket soaks through, but then you were you the only one dancing last night. Or our group was the only one dancing last yeah, night. Yeah, look, if Questlove's going to come spin some stuff, and by the way, now Questlove, does, obviously he does a good job at DJ. Oh my God, what about the stiff arm on, uh, so people were trying to... He so, wrote that in his book, though. He right. doesn't. He doesn't allow that. People would go up and try to selfie themselves, him, him to them... So they would walk up where he was spinning, and he obviously has both his hands on the turntables, and they try to like walk up in front of the DJ table and then like make it look like he, they're doing a selfie with them. Yeah. But you were saying he was like stiff arming them. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Why does he not like it? Because he's very focused on the music and the next song and the choice. It's the whole thing. Yeah, but not so focused that he doesn't notice that some idiot's trying to take a selfie with him. He just doesn't like people interrupting his, yeah. his thing. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get it. Anyway, so uh, if he's going to spin, you might as well dance, right? Yeah. And he and it played, was great. He played a good, although I, I was interested, he played some Jackson 5 in, in, oh. in, in the, didn't he? Didn't no. He? At the beginning. No, Dave. Was it someone else who did that? No, he did not. Play Anyways, uh, which I thought was an interesting choice. Given I saw that documentary. I'm not going to get into it. That's a whole other thing. It's not a cooking issue. Not a cooking issue. Uh, but he played a wide range of stuff, which I always appreciate, all the way up to, you know, Travis Scott from last year, Sicko Mode, which is a fantastic song and uh, is, you know, not difficult to dance to. <laughs> no, it, you did well. Not, not at all difficult to dance to. <laughs> it's designed to make, well, he played the, the, what's I guess technically the second part of it, and that's the easiest one of the three sections to dance mm -hmm. to. The interesting thing about that album, in fact... I think, if if you really want to get me started on Travis Scott, I think some of it, a lot of his earlier stuff, <laughs> somewhat, somewhat derivative of other people that you might know, or not derivative, but like in the same vein as like Future, or these other kind of, you know, you like Future, right? I don't know anything by Future. Matt, you like Future? I, I got nothing. What? 
Nothing. You're not familiar with I got nothing. Percocet, Molly Percocet, oh, Percocet, yeah, Molly like, Percocet. I, like I know no? something about Percocet, but I don't know anything about the song you're talking about. Really? What about F Ups and Commas? You know that song? Nope. F Ups, Commas, yeah. You know this? Anyway, so like some of this stuff is like, you know, because whatever. But this album, Why right? Astro World. Astro World's an that album. Word has no second L. Yeah, Dave, it's an album. Album. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. You're making me feel like I'm not. You did it twice. You're yeah. making me feel crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what else? Nuclear. <laughs> Suck oh it. God. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> Suck it, people. Coupon. Eat it. So, um. So anyway, uh, these songs are kind of broken up into micro songs, so it's almost like these like cycles within cycles, yeah. which I think is kind of it's like the Beatles. I never would have said that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so wait, well, you said we had someone on the air. What were we talking about? We're gonna eat the cider now. We're, no, you're you're doing the cider thing now. We're right, tasting the cider. Hand me the cider. Also, I texted Dax. He said it's not a virgin. Also, coupon. Coupon. You want some of this, Matt? I'm coming in. All right. I'm coming in. Bring a glass. It's late. Well, it's hard to tell whether it's unfiltered because this glass is... Uh, no, it's unfiltered. Yeah, it's unfiltered. It's, it's, it's got some funk on it. So what, the, give, me the, 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 give me the information on Saison, this. Saison, apples. Um, fuck. Sorry. Uh, sh- Tastes like it's got some oxidation, but it's not oxidized, right? So it's almost got a little bit of a nutty hit on the end, but it's not over-oxidated. It tastes like it's actually, it's not too acidic, which I enjoy. I think a lot of people make their stuff too acidic. Do you get any acetic acid off of it, Nastasia? No. Yeah, do you like acetic ciders? I do. Really? Yeah. I prefer my ciders to not be acetic. This guy also says that um, he thinks your his grandfather was your high school principal. Wait. His grandfather was my high school principal? His grandfather was your high school principal. Who was his grandfather? I don't know. He's looking into it. Um, Breen? Carlicchio? Don't know. Hope you guys get to try it. Currently working on another co-ferment faux rose with apples and rhubarb. All right. Well, I'm enjoying it. You enjoying it? Yeah, I am enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Matt, you enjoying it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What? Are you, wait, whoa, whoa. That what? doesn't sound like you're enjoying it. Are you a cider person? I'm not a big cider person. <sighs> uh, I do feel like, I don't know. I feel like a little, I would prefer a little more acidity because at the end it just kind of falls Oh, this guy's falls name flat is a little bit Macklin Kaznoff and Ned Moshe. Okay. You like a more acidity in your in your cider? I haven't had a ton of ciders, but I'm just tasting this drink and responding to it. The average cider made for American palates. Your principal's name is Ed Hart. Yes. Okay. Sure, yeah. There you go. Um, the, uh, the average, um, the average cider made for American palates, I think, is kind of overly acidic because people want it to drink like tart apples right so like they'll label things like granny smith or they'll they'll do things that have a high acid content or they'll kind of uh sometimes even kind of worse jacket jacket with sugar and jacket with malic acid to make it seem more apple so it has more of an apple hit um other people will uh choose apples that taste good to eat and then when they're fermented out they get overly kind of acidic and they won't include enough kind of tannic apples i don't know what apples they're using here but uh, it tastes like it's got a good bit of tannin, like kind of structure in the back. Saison apples, I told you. No, that's not. That's not an. It's not an apple. That's a style, and they say made with seconds. And seconds is a good way to, to make this. So, uh, what does with seconds mean? So leftover. Well, it's apples that are too kind of blemished to use for kind of for sale. So like whether like a lot of times you'll you'll get something that kind of bites or burrows into an apple and it'll get a defect there, uh, but it doesn't actually harm the apple in terms of its juice. Um, so, you know, they're useful for, uh, for things like, you know, for things like this. Uh, they have a lower market value, so they can be used in ciders without, you know, incurring kind of a large uh, economic penalty. But I like it. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think we this is, go, like, drinkable. What? what? Well, no, I haven't answered the questions yet. Dave, it's 12. Give me 12? That clock is wrong. Oh, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. Let me rip through this. You're Matt, can I rip through this? It. I mean, that's good by me. All right. Uh, this is from Alex in Toronto. Yesterday, my wife arrived home from a children's birthday party with a large, clear plastic bag full of slowly thawing meat. That's my next band, slowly thawing meat. Her friend's husband is an accomplished hunter, and when they're in season, he and his buddies bag Canada geese by the dozen. I prefer by the bushel. 
Uh, you seen the beginning of Pat Never? No, get anyway, to the question. Uh, I now have 16 goose breasts divided into Ziploc bags in my fridge. I hope they are Ziplocs, real name brands. Uh, in my fridge, not that they give us any money. They're getting sued for talc now. Anyways, waiting to be cooked. They are very dark red in color and have a te- uh, tender texture when raw. I haven't tasted one yet. Uh, well, so how do you know they're tender? You mean they're squidgy. Anyway, uh... I haven't tasted one yet, but they smell great. I've already put a couple in the circulator at different temperatures and times, 53 and 55, both for two hours. But I wonder if you might have some advice for how to proceed in figuring out what time to cook them out and how to figure out some flavor pairings to go well with them. Well, similar, similar to, to ideally, I'd like to come up with stove sauces or dishes to build a meal around so I can share the wealth. I mean, in general, I don't know any that much about goose as opposed to duck. Right, but here's what I do know about cooking duck. So I would just, if it was me, I don't have a lot of experience. I would just go for the same stuff that goes well with duck, which is pretty much everything. Uh, you know, people like fruits. People look in general. People think fall for this kind of crap, so they're probably thinking kind of like fruity compotey kind of crap. We right, Nastasia, on things so. like duck. I guess I don't care. That's what Nastasia's saying. I guess I don't really care. Here's what I would say. I think all those temperatures are rather low. I would look at the fat on the uh, on the. I'm assuming there's fat on it, right? You didn't say it, but I'm assuming it's got the skin and the fat. If it has the skin and the fat, assess kind of how much skin and fat there is there. I would cook them. When I cook, I'll tell you what I do duck at. I do duck at 57 for no longer than 45 minutes. And the issue uh, to do is if you're going to crisp up the skin, which of course I recommend, is to when you put it into a bag – you, before you put it in the in the water, put it flat, skin side down, and press it down, uh, press it down uh, so that that skin is flat. So that once it's cooked and you put it into a pan, you'll be able to get that skin flat, right? So it's not bent up. So you actually can get good rendering and do it that. But I would do fifty seven, no more than forty five minutes. Uh, otherwise, you can start pulling on some livery taste. I think 53 and 55, 55 for two hours, uh, you know, maybe it'll be okay at that point, but I would really recommend something like 56, 57 for 45. Uh, that's what I typically do for duck. Uh, and Shy writes in, I love tofu skin, but it's not available where I live. I tried making it at home using the traditional method of simmering soy milk and pulling the form skin with modest success. But this is time-consuming, and the end product is not uniform. Could you suggest a method by which one may make a decent amount of yuba with less effort? No. <laughs> like Making tofu skin is inc- very rewarding. Uh, yuba, tofu skin, is very rewarding, but it's always kind of a pain in the butt. Um... Every time I've made it, I've just used the widest thing that I can get and like kind of simmered it low. And what you say about not uniform is something that I think a lot of people don't realize. And here's the strange thing. It's been many years, like on the order of six or seven years since I last made it, uh, fresh from scratch. Uh, but the concept is, is you make a rather thick soy milk. Um, some people put it uh, in a pan over a pan so that they don't scorch it. Uh, you want to heat it up to about 90 just you know, at the simmer. If you actually get bubbles in it, the bubbles will be in your skin, in your tofu skin, and which you don't want. You let a skin form. You wait until it actually attaches to the side of your pan. You cut around it. You lift it up on chopsticks. You dry it or not. You eat it right away. It's fantastic. It's incredibly time-consuming. And what you talk about not uniform, what I'm assuming is is that the very first skin that forms uh, is incredibly different from the last that forms. And the reason this happens is because – uh, as the tofu, as the the yuba sets, right, you're, de- you're depleting the milk from the ingredients that you're taking out of it, uh, tip- at, typically at a non-uniform rate. So the composition of the yuba at the beginning is very different from the one at the end. The one at the end, if memory serves, it's been many years, it's kind of darker, redder, uh, and tastes different, but it's interesting all the ways. So I would never try to make yuba at home for quantity. I would do it just as I do it every once in a while to taste the magic that is uh, uh, fresh homemade you because nothing else is quite the same. Um, some other people wrote some stuff in on Twitter. I'll have to answer on Twitter in a uh, shorter format. Speaking of uh, wild geese, uh, you know who you are if you listen. Stock by our bar left me a note, which I, I think I lost your contact info, but apparently you have a lot of pheasants in your in your freezer. I love pheasant, although if you want – you know, tweet in or you know, email Nastasia if you want me to talk about the most unpleasant pheasant experience I've ever had in Italy. What? I've had two unpleasant uh, pheasant plucking experiences. 
Oh, yes, I know this. But the worst was actually where I didn't pluck it, where they had me try to recreate an old Roman recipe. I was with Johnny Azzini doing a pilot many years ago. You know, I'm Time the, Machine Chef? No, no, a different one. I'm the, I'm it like, was Time Machine Chef. It was not Time Machine Chef. <laughs> what was Time Machine? <laughs> well, well, since you have something to say about it, why don't you, you know. Where the chef comes out of a refrigerator? Is that... Dave, why'd you do that? <laughs> if someone calls you <laughs> and says, do you want to do this pilot? You know, pretty much. What, what did you have to do? I was just a judge. I was just yeah, a judge. Well, I, was you, a judge. Well, you gotta come out of a refrigerator. I did not come out of the fridge. The contestant came out of the fridge. The fridge was a time machine reference like Bill and Ted's phone booth. But fridge. And you had a dress in the period clothing. I did not have yes. to. No, I did not. No, I just dressed like a person. I was a, a, I was the judge who knew about the history and the technology of that was my that was my deal. But this was not that. This was we were recreating old Roman stuff, and they had me recreate this recipe where you kept the birds, you you kept the feathers on the bird, took the skin off, and then put the skin. That, like the raw skin with the feathers on it back Gross. over the bird after you cooked it. But what was even grosser was is we went out and we shot these pheasants in in the in the you know out in Italy. We were in Italy. We shot these pheasants and then they were sitting around for like you know a day or two and then we went to go uh, they they needed me to to take the skin off and to eviscerate it outside, right? And it was in Italy, for anyone who's been in like Italy, it was in Lazio outside Rome. There were like those tiny Vespa wasps, those 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 yellow jackets that they have in Italy, and they eat meat, by the way. And so, like, I'm sitting there trying to explain how to take the skin off of the pheasant and keep the skin in one piece intact, and how to eviscerate it. And I don't like I don't like wasps. Okay, and they're constantly just like I'm being swarmed like a freaking bee beard of freaking yellow jackets while I'm trying to rip the stinking guts out of a pheasant on a wood stump. I don't know why the hell we're doing outside. I'm sure the Romans had an inside. This was for Time Machine Chef. This was not for Time Machine (laughs) Chef. Anyway, that was that was the most unpleasant pheasant cooking experience I've ever had. The kind of the. Most botched was I went and bought a pheasant with the feathers on in France from, uh, you know, a gibier who sells, you know, the volaille. Anyway, so I got this pheasant and I mutilated that skin trying to pluck that stuff. And they were, uh, oh my God. And then that's the one where I, I ripped up the person's floor because they didn't have any wood. So I ripped up and took extra oak out of their floor and burnt it and cooked the pheasant over the oak. That tasted delicious anyway. All right, we got to go. All right. Cooking issues. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.